0: So I'm starting in James, first of all, in James chapter 3. And I'm reading this verse, verse 6, uh, from the NIV, the New International Version. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. Now, I thought that was a lovely way to start a morning service on a Sunday and cheer everybody out. I want to go to my text verses next, and that's Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 31 and 32, and you can mark that as text. And here Paul says, make a clean break with... And this, by the way, I just have to say, interrupting myself, this is from the message. And sometimes I get something from the message, and it just amplifies what I've been trying to read and understand and put into ordinary language. So hear this, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32 from the message. Make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly, listen to this, as God in Christ forgave you. How are we to forgive one another? as thoroughly as God in Christ has forgiven you, has forgiven me, has forgiven us. Powerful statement. Then I go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 20 and 21, coming back to the NIV. Paul says, for I'm afraid. Now he's, he's addressing some things that are completely out of whack in the Corinthian church, and he's trying to get these poor people straightened out. Here's what he says. He's planning a trip. He says, I'm afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be. Uh And you may not find me as you want me to be. Wow. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. Anything else, Paul? Yeah, I'm afraid that when I come again, my God will humble me before you, and I will be grieved over many who have sinned earlier and have not repented of the impurity, sexual sin, and debauchery in which they have indulged. And then down in Proverbs 25:23, and I'm reading this from the old King James Version. The north wind driveth away rain, so does an angry countenance, a backbiting tongue. I wonder if we could just pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for allowing us to be together this morning. Thank you for your word and the power of it. Thank you for what we've read thus far, Lord, and it's a message to every heart. Every one of us needs to hear, needs to heed, and needs to practice. So Lord, we know it's about our tongue, it's about our temperament, it's about our testimony to others and for you. So Lord, guide us this morning by your Holy Spirit. We'll be careful to give you the thanks and give you the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I would say, indeed, it is very sad to say and it's sad to know that many unfortunate things have happened in many churches around the world over time simply because, and here's why, I'll tell you why, simply because people... people, You say, I wonder why there's so much strife and discord in this or that or another segment of our society. I'll tell you why. It's real simple. It's because it's people being people. There are the unattractive things that Christians do. I would doubt that any of you do it. I would doubt that any of you have ever done it. But I want to address this today. These are things which ultimately result in the dismembering of the body of Christ. They are the sins we commit which drive people away from the church. And This is a place where they're supposed to encounter God, be accepted, be affirmed, and be healed. Many unfortunate things happen in many churches, and I know that for a fact. I know that because of my own personal history. But among the ugliest and the most destructive of all these things are what we call unfortunate events. And I'm looking at three of them in this short series that I've, uh, I'm doing. And uh, this is the, the second one. The first one was hypocrisy. And I don't know how many times in the last couple of weeks I've heard the word or read the word hypocrisy or hypocrites or hypocritical. And the, that is, hypocrisy is the practice of professing Uh, beliefs or feelings or virtues that we don't even really have. That's hypocrisy. Now today, unfortunate event number two, I know you're just waiting, you can't help help yourself. It's entitled, Got Your Back. And I want to leave a word of advice with you as I start. I said earlier that I've had almost six decades of some form of leadership in my life and And I want to offer you some advice, and it's free of charge, so no no charge to you. When someone or maybe several someones or somebody that you know or don't know says, hey, not to worry, I've got your back, I say still be on your guard at all times and know unequivocally who it is that's at your back. You see, if Satan has an arsenal of weapons, and he does, backbiting is among the most lethal weapons in his secret artillery. It's the stealth bomber of the unholy armed forces because the attack always comes when your back is turned and your face, your eyes are turned away. Backbiting is the coward's approach to problem-solving. You see, backbiters are afraid of confrontation, so they'd rather attack from behind than obey God's word and approach you uh, from the front. Because they don't want to be detected. They have the costume that they wear in public, so they seem as innocent as a little baby, but like older children, their teeth are deadly. Backbiting occurs, say, what is it? It occurs when somebody goes behind another person's back and says bad things or spreads rumors about them to destroy their character or their position. Backbiters are good at pretending they love everybody, but deep inside they're vicious towards some people. They tear people apart with their words. The book of James said, The tongue also is a fire, it's a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person sets the course of life on fire. Nowhere is this more true than in the mouth of a backbiter. They are ruthless with their words, and they have not learned to tame their tongues, and the result of their words is destruction and and chaos. And I want to tell you, it is all over our society everywhere. Unfortunately, for generations... It seems like pastors and church leaders and churches themselves have been the constant victims of backbiting. As uh, all it takes is one word or one person hard to please, and that person starts complaining, and they go behind the pastor or leader's back, and the whole church all of a sudden can be discontented. People leave churches all the time because of things they've heard or, say, or had said about them, or about the pastor, or about a leader, or about a family in the church, or whatever. First of all, they church shop, and then they church hop, and no one benefits from any of that. And the end result of saying bad things behind each other's back is always detrimental to the church. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 30. He said, he who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Friend, are you building up the body of Christ with your words? Or are you tearing it down? He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. We can be just as much enemies of Jesus with our mouths as we can with our actions. Words are very powerful in the building up or the tearing down. Of the body of Christ. So learn to tame your tongue and find something good to say and say it. I want to look at three aspects of backbiting and it's going to pull in a lot of scripture so you'll have lots of background and lots of ammunition here and lots of knowledge knowing how to just handle this situation. That's why Jesus, you see, is so disgusted by bad-mouthing because it is such a destructive force. The first thing about about backbiting that I want to leave with you is that a bad mouth reveals a bad heart. Matthew 12, 34. Jesus said, these aren't really what you call kindly words, you brood of vipers... How can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings bad things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you, Jesus said, that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they've spoken. Now that's a promise from Jesus, And all of his promises, the Bible says, are yea and amen. For by your words, he said, you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Don't be caught up in the snare and the trap of bad-mouthing. Jesus is saying you have evil flowing out from your mouth. And then that evil is welling up from inside your heart, if you do. And your heart is the source of what comes out of your mouth. And then, for whatever reason, we say it's an indication of what lies deep down within our being. That's why, that, this is the very reason why, let's take filmmakers, for instance. They're very careful, they take extra care to have the finest equipment that money can buy. They cast the perfect lighting on the subjects and they use the best quality film, tape, whatever it is because the end product, listen here, can only be as good as the things you use to start the project in the first place. In the same way, Anyone who says hurtful things behind people's backs is showing uh, symptoms of something that's wrong in the heart. And always remember this, that our God is a God of the heart. The heart is the most holy place. It's that central place where the Holy Spirit sits enthroned in our lives. How can we expect Him to take residence there if we're full of evil thoughts, which would become evil words? If you're gossiping, backbiting, or you say negative things about your brother or your sister or a friend or whatever, then you have a heart problem. I mean a real heart problem. And you need to get it right with Jesus. And my suggestion is that this would be a great day to do it. Before you pillow your head tonight, why not get this straightened out? Today can be your salvation day, your redemption day. It can be the day you get on Jesus' side in this matter. He who is not with me is against me. And he who does not gather with me scatters. You know what this can be? It can be your day of restoration. It can be your day of relief and revival and reconnection. And it can be the day of cleansing for your heart. How can you say you're a child of God if you're working against his Christ? How can you say you love your brother, you love your sister in the Lord, if you're tearing him or her down with evil words from your mouth? You're just fooling yourself, so quit fooling yourself. You say you love this person or that person, and yet you attack them when you get a chance. And then you deceive yourself, and then guess what? Your faith is worthless. It's just words. It means nothing. And we want to stay away from that. What you really have is a a disease that begins in your heart. For by your words you will be acquitted, the Bible says. And by your words you will be condemned. And what you are using your mouth for lately tells a lot. What kinds of things are welling up in your heart? Those things say a lot about the condition of your heart before God. What are you using your mouth for? A bad mouth comes from a bad heart. Matthew 12 and 33. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. So do we all get the point? Are we all kind of getting the picture here? Are we all together on understanding that backbiting is bad stuff? Not only that, the consequences of backbiting are deadly, deadly to us, to you, to me, as much as to everyone else. There's no reward for the things we say that tear other people down. And you know, you do this sometimes and you think, well, I know I'm right in what I'm saying. I know, that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. There's no reward for the things you say which tear down another person. Now the second area of backbiting that I want to deal with are the different categories. And I've lumped them kind of together so as to bring it in uh, for you to remember and to notate if so. And there are three categories of backbiting. And these tear down people's faith and they can destroy a church and it's the church that Jesus died on the cross for. Let's explore explore three of these for a moment or two. First category, rumors and gossip. 1 Timothy 5, Paul says, They get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house, and not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, listen to this, saying things they ought not to. Hmm. Gossips are always saying those things they ought not to. They can damage a church. They can damage a personal testimony. They can run people off just by their mouths because they cannot keep a person's confidence. A pastor once recounted this. He said, I remember telling a very close friend something personal that I confided in him and I wanted it to go no further. And I wanted him to just keep it to himself, and he promised he would. And later on, for some reason, there was some kind of a distance or falling out between us, and he got angry with me. I don't really know what the cause was, but uh, I know it was real. And whatever it was, he told everyone that he could think of that particular thing that I trusted him with. And in the end, I got to tell you, it really, really hurt. It really damaged me, it really did a number. You see, the gossip may appear to be your friend today because he's sharing unfortunate events of another person's life. But you know what? Tomorrow, you may be the topic of the day when the gossip starts and talks to another person. So you need to be careful. This is how it works. It works like that in the world, it works like that in the business world, it works like that in politics, it works like that in every strata, if you will, of our society. It works like that in the church. So come on, let's be on our guard. Let's listen to what the Word of God says, and the Word of God says a lot. Proverbs eleven thirteen 13 says, A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. I like that word. Don't assume that a gossip has any loyalties. <laughs> Don't make that assumption. Don't believe that a false report That comes to you is true until you know the whole story and do not do not make a judgment on it people say well you know there are two sides to every story and I usually correct people and say well really there are three there's yours mine and the truth don't believe false reports make sure you're getting the whole story make sure you know the other side of that story Believer, don't allow gossip. Don't allow slander to destroy your faith. And if you're too weak to fend it off, then learn to seal your lips. And pray for God to just put a guard over your lips. Lest lest you destroy someone else's innocence. You know, if you do that, you're also contributing to destroying Christ's body. Hello? Hello? Hello, my name is Gossip. I am nobody's friend. Once I tarnish a reputation, it'll never be the same. I topple governments, I wreck marriages, and I ruin careers. I cause sleepless nights, heartaches, and indigestion. I spawn suspicion, and I generate grief. I make innocent people cry in their pillows. Even my name hisses. Gossip. I make headlines and headaches. That's who I am. I'm gossip. So before you repeat a story, ask yourself these questions. One, is it true Two, is it fair? Three, maybe this ought to be one, is it necessary? If not, don't say a word. Okay, category two, arguments and lies, Titus 3, 9 and 10. Avoid foolish controversies and genealogies and arguments and quarrels about the law because these are unprofitable and useless. When a divisive person uh, uh, comes upon you, warn that person one time and then warn that person a second time, and after that, have nothing to do with them. Good churches lose good pastors, they, lo- they lose good leaders. They lose good people. They lose their vision and their direction. And then losing these people that have given everything to minister to God's people, just because of a few wolves uh, in, in sheep's clothing, they stir up dissension and discontent. I listen, take my word for it, from a very young age to a very now old age, I've seen this happen so many, many times. Times, it brings tears to my eyes good people good pastors good leaders good workers in a church good families good churches themselves in Titus chapter 3 we also read these words remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities to be obedient to be ready to do whatever is good slander no one but be peaceable and considerate and to show true humility toward all men. And in verse 3 of Titus 3, at one time we too were foolish, disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. But, 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 when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, He saved us not because of righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy. Hallelujah. Category three, hurtful truths, tragically placed, or strategically placed. Young pastor told this story, he told it on himself. I thought it was interesting And I thought, you know, this could happen to any one of us. Again, we need to be on guard. So the young pastor said this, and I quote, One night, I drove home from my office, and I was talking to God the whole way home. I was alone in the car. We were having a great talk. I was doing the talking. And I poured out my heart to him, and I told him my deepest desires. I talked about my fears. I talked about my hurts and disappointments. And I told him all this, and obviously I asked for his help. Well, when I got home, I noticed that my cell phone had been on the whole time. You see, climbing into the car that night, I must have accidentally speed dialed somebody on my list. What did they hear? Did I say anything bad? Did I say something bad about somebody? Man, I hoped with all my heart I didn't divulge too much information. Fortunately, I thought this was, I I got kind of a kick out of this. He said, fortunately, it was just my grandparents. You see, they answered the call, and they were listening to my muffled voice the whole time. And they were wondering, why in the world I wasn't talking to them? He laughed about it later. But here's what he said. The good thing for me is that God was my primary audience that night. But what if it had been a coworker? What if it had been a church member? What if it had been a friend? What would my grandparents have heard then? Hmm? Do you believe that God is omnipresent? I can uh, explain that to you or describe it for you or if you know that He is and you believe it, just slip your hand up. I'd like to see how many people believe that God is omnipresent. Okay, That's most everybody. If that be the case... Can't God hear every word we say? So, what is He hearing when you're talking to your friends? Or you're talking in private to somebody? Or you're just talking, not to anybody in particular? You know, there is also a heavenly host, the Bible teaches, surrounding us as believers. What are they hearing? Would you and I live our lives differently if every conversation and every thought we ever had was being accidentally broadcast across our cell phone, that phone in our pocket or in our hand, huh? And it was coming directly into your pastor or your group leader or your best friend or your spouse or maybe somebody that you didn't know as well. Well, it's not being broadcast to your pastor And I'm glad, and so are you. But every thought and every word reaches the ear of God who hears every word. That's sobering. So backbiter, beware wherever you are. Here's how to avoid backbiting. Two ways. One, refuse to be a partaker. Ephesians 5.11 says... Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. In other words, speak up for what's good and right. And if you say nothing, then you're complicit. You're a contributor. So first off, shut the gossiper down. And then First Timothy 4, 7 says, Have nothing to do with the godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train out of this. train yourself to be godly. So if shutting the gossiper down doesn't exactly work, then shut the gossiper out. Titus 3.10, when a divisive person or divisive person is coming to you, let them come once and warn them. And then warn them a second time. And after that, have nothing to do with them. Here's the second way to avoid backbiting or being a backbiter. Live by the Spirit and love. Paul says in Galatians 5, the entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, Paul said, live by the Spirit, And you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So, if you love your neighbor, you aren't going to be saying things that tear him down or make him or her look bad or small in other people's eyes. You're you're going to want to build that person up. You're going to want to earn their confidence and their trust. And you're going to be treating that person like you were Jesus. I didn't say to be Jesus. I said be like Jesus. And when you hear someone saying evil things about that person, you should be the first person to put them in their place. Christians, and I think we've dropped the ball a little bit here, not just we, this congregation, but I I mean we as a Christian world, we, 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 we should be defending each other like we would want to be defended if bad things were being said about us. Now the third aspect of backbiting that I want to get to is meditate on the good things. Or in other words, I call this flip the coin. We've been looking up to this point, we've been looking at one piece of that coin, one side only. I'm suggesting you flip it. I'm suggesting that you start memorizing some scripture and get the word of God in you so that it's active and working. And if I were to advise you as to where to start memorizing scripture, I would point you to the book of Philippians. I would point you to the fourth chapter, and I would suggest that you memorize verse 8. For Philippians 4, 8, Paul says this, finally, when Paul says finally, doesn't mean like uh, uh, like a preacher here that he's getting done his sermon. It means sit up and take notice. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is anything that's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Think about those things. Meditate on the good things. There is always something good to dwell on. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, Lovely, admirable, of good report, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about something and think about these things. Meditate on them. Hey, we all have personality strengths and weaknesses. And the condition of your heart will determine whether you decide to focus on the strengths or the weaknesses. I say choose to look at the positive attributes of your peers and learn to overlook the negative stuff, and I'm going to ask, this is my challenge, let's all do it. huh? Let's all do it for each other. No exceptions here at Faith Community and in our greater world. Huh? A man went to his spiritual mentor and he had a confession to make. The mentor said, and what is that? He said, the Lord has convicted me greatly. He's convicted me of gossiping. I don't know what to do. What can I do with this to make it right? You may have heard the story. You may have read the story. Or it may be totally new to you. The friend told him to go to the top of a mountain. To open a feather pillow. And to turn the feathers loose in the wind. And then come back and see him the next day. So, the man did that. He went to the top of a mountain nearby. He tore open a a feather pillow. And you can just imagine the scene. He scattered the feathers to the wind. The next day, he went back to his mentor and he asked, Well, I scattered the feathers. Now what do I do? (laughs) His dear friend said, Now go back and collect all the feathers. The man didn't know whether to laugh or cry. (laughs) He complained to the mentor about how impossible it would be to collect all those feathers, even most of them. I mean, they were scattered everywhere to the four corners of the wind. The wise advisor turned to him and said, and that's the point. Once you begin to gossip, the words you spread scatter to the wind and they can never be retrieved. You don't know where they're going. You don't know where they're going to land. You don't even know who they're going to hurt. Proverbs 11.11 says, Through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked is destroyed. A man who lacks judgment derides his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds the tongue. A gossip betrays a confidence, but a trustworthy man keeps a secret. The fact is, we're all guilty and and innocent. Kind of guilty and innocent at the same time. Let me explain. We're guilty of past sins yet we're innocent by the crimson blood of the precious Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Therefore, since we're all guilty of sin, not one of us, nobody, has the right to point the finger at another man's sin. And since we're all forgiven... And I'm just going to assume, and I know assumption's not always right, but I would assume that most or many or maybe all of us here are born-again believers. Since we are forgiven, how dare any one of us reach past the crimson flow and recover a man's sins, which have already been covered by the blood of Jesus. Shame on anyone who brings up sins forgiven. That person, not the sinner, that person stands under God's judgment. Isaiah 29, 20 says, the ruthless will vanish, the mockers will disappear, and all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. Those who, with a word, make a man out to be guilty and ensnare the defender in court and with false testimony deprive the innocent of justice. And then I'm coming back to where I started, James chapter 3. Starting at verse 9, I read, with the tongue... We praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse man, who who has made man in God's likeness. We've been made in the very likeness of God. And we praise our Creator, and we curse the creation. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing, And James says, My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? That's a rhetorical question. Brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Jesus believers, hypocrisy and backbiting. These are unfortunate events and they can be church killers. They work against and they defeat the purpose of Christ to build up the church and to shape God's people into the image of our wonderful savior. Let's all be really really careful. I don't know how many of you are as are students of the eagle As I have, I've been listening to a lot of stuff lately about eagles and how they raise their young, even before they're hatched, and how they teach them to fly and how they sacrifice for them. It's unbelievable. I'd like to share that with you sometime. But there's one thing that came really strong, and I have a photo to show you. I don't know if you knew it or not, but the only bird that will peck at an eagle and bother it is a crow. That crow will sit on the back of the eagle and bite at its neck. You can see it happening. Let me tell you what happens. The eagle does not for a second respond or fight with that lowly crow. It doesn't waste time or any energy on the crow. What does it do instead? It simply opens those majestic wings and begins to rise higher in the sky. Mount up with wings as eagles. The higher the flight, the harder it is for the crow to breathe. Eventually, the crow falls due to lack of oxygen. Here's my word to you stop wasting your time with the crows. Just take them to your heights. And they will fade away. My prayer for you is that you will continue to fly to new heights having learned all you've learned today. And you'll go higher and higher and higher with Him. Let's pray. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we are so happy that we can handle your word, we can look into your word, we can meditate on your word, and we can know that this eternal word is food for our souls. Lord, all that you've fed us with this morning and all that you've taught us this day, I pray will will redound to our good and your glory. And every one of us will learn to fly higher and higher, and higher, and higher with Jesus. For it's in his wonderful name that we confidently pray. Amen.